Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 158. And we are really thrilled to have Andy Gillen, the head boys basketball coach at Ogallala High School. Uh, coach, did you? So we were talking before. Um, my, my, my first head coaching job was out in Gothenburg um, back in 98, 99 as a, as a high school head coach. And you'll never guess who I played in my first game as a head coach. Three guesses in the first two don't count, Andy. Lee Gillen? Uh, what's that? <laughs> who was it? I don't know. Uh, it was Ogallala. It was Ogallala. Ogallala. Yep. Okay. And that was their state championship team, and they beat us like a drum. Like every drum you could think of, that's how badly they beat us. A bass drum, snare drum, uh, tap drum, whatever type of drums there are, they beat us like a drum. They had a great team that year, ended up winning a state championship, like I said. So it all comes full circle here uh, that we're talking to uh, an Ogallala Indian here, Andy Gillen, the head boys basketball coach out there. So... Uh, before we talk to Coach, uh, of course, we want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or your athletes have spinal neck or balance issues, go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at Cossack Chiro, that's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Been trying to get back on the saddle with that. Haven't done a very good job with that, but between illness and my own team and a lot of games and a lot of film, it's been a little bit hard, but uh, you know, New Year's resolution belated to get back going on the Twitter handle here. Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review. Please subscribe. Subscription numbers still keep going up. Love it. Greatly appreciate it. That helps move the podcast up in the rankings. And and, and when people search for basketball podcasts, uh, a pen and a napkin sneaks up there with those higher subscription numbers. So uh, let's just you know do your little part to help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandanapkin.com. It's a great coaching website. Check it out. And, of course, patreon.com backslash a pen and a napkin. Uh, Coach Andy Gillen, Coach, how's things in mountain time, in the mountain time zone this evening? It's cold, and we're <laughs> definitely buried in snow. I mean, we got hit twice by just a ton, so it's crazy some of the snow hills we have in town it'll be at least march before it's all gone that's for sure yeah yeah it's it's been kind of a you guys you and, and this isn't the first time that you've gotten hit out there this year you guys you guys have you guys have uh had to go through some things this year yeah we got buried twice mm-hmm. so it wasn't the first snow wasn't even gone so it just piled on top it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty wild it's the most snow i've seen in a long time yeah uh, how did that affect your schedule at all? Did you have to postpone any games, or, or how's that? What's that done to your to your season as far as Mother Nature stepping in? Well, actually, we obviously had to cancel some practice because we had some school days off there. But Alliance was able to make it down that Friday, and uh, we went to Ainsworth the next day. So we made it work. It was a little tight. Some of those turns for the bus were a little rough. Town, but we made it work. Ah, very good, very good. Well, uh, hey, coach, really excited to have you on here this week. Uh, excited to hear your your uh, philosophy, your basketball journey, everything that's gone into it. Uh, let's start right there, Andy. Uh, 
you know, uh, for the folks that don't know a whole lot about you, uh, we usually start this way. Uh, just just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your uh, your, your basketball journey. How'd you end up in Ogallala? So, uh, yeah, tell us all about it, Coach. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I started late. Um, I was 31 and had decided that I wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that my, my dad, had, you know, he's – helping me this year just 50th year he's been doing it forever um he uh, had an assistance opening down in ulysses kansas mm-hmm. and it just so happened it was time for me to do some student teaching so i went down there and did some student teaching and then started to be an assistant and actually i only did it for a year because he ended up leaving so he got me down there <laughs> and then he, and he took off the next year, but I was fortunate and I was really inexperienced, even though I was a little older and, you know, they gave me that job and, um, man, it's crazy. when I think back on those days, some of the things I was doing, Yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was going at it hard. But anyways, I stayed at Ulysses for three years and, um, it was just dumb luck. Really. My, at the time, the AD and the current football coach, um, talked to me and he was a basketball official and in South Gray, Kansas, which is a little small consolidated school. He told me, he's like, this job just came open and you'd be crazy not to apply for it. Okay. And, you know, I thought we had a pretty good team there. We had a really good freshman group coming up and we, you know, three winning seasons in a row and we were building and, you know, we're excited, but <clears throat> I took his advice and, uh, went in and did the interview and was, they were dumb enough to give me that job. And I tell you what, it just kind of springboarded things for me because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And yep. you can do as much studying and learning as you can. But um, those girls <clears throat> were so good. You know, it's a small town, 1A school. And, you know, six of them were college players. Oh, wow. And wow. When I when I watched them practice, you know, I set these practices up and I was used to seeing what I was seeing. And, you know, and I thought we were a team that worked really hard and it looked good and we're building. And they just showed me a different pace and different level of effort. And, um, so it really helped. And, you know, we somehow went undefeated and won the state title game in overtime. It was a crazy game, but, um, yeah, that really just helped me learn so much, you know, not only just what it should look like, but just how to handle kids in general mm-hmm. how you can just you know sometimes you just need to get the heck out of the way of winning mm-hmm. and uh, that's easier said than done because I think as a coach by nature you're a little bit of a control freak yep so it's hard to let go of those range you know I really wanted to control every single thing and what I learned most from them is you know the time for you is practice and then during games you know you let those you let them go do what they do and just don't get in the way. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got a couple fulls and a few thirties and you can get them a break and give them some advice and it's up to them. Mm-hmm. But anyways, from South gray, <clears throat> believe it or not, my dad recruited me again to a place called Hugot in Kansas. And, you know, dad was always one of these guys that was all in, you know, he loved to go into a program that was struggling. You know, mm-hmm. Hugot had lost like 48 games in a row. And he took that job. I thought he was crazy. Um, but he was there for three years, and he had built it up toward the last season there. They had won, I think, eight. And I transferred over after two years from South Gray to Hugoton. And, um, again, I get there, and Dad leaves. <laughs> so maybe um, he's just setting me up. But 
uh, we were really fortunate in Hugoton. We had some really good players there and some, just some girls that were really all in with playing basketball mm-hmm. and a lot of unseen hours those kids put in and had a nice run in Hugoton, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and again, it's just really good players and mm-hmm. you figure that out of the coach too. Like you set things up and you have a plan, but at the end of the day, the kids have to do it and have to do it a certain way. Uh, that's just up to them. And, you know, you don't have too much control over that, if yep. any, probably. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> but anyways, you know, as we progressed in Hugoton and timelined it down there for me, what really made me want to change from Hugoton was um, I had all boys. Mm-hmm. And they were getting to, well, my stepson was in, <clears throat> he was a freshman the last year I was in Hugoton and had an eighth grade boy and, uh, my wife and I have two other boys, so uh, it felt like it was just time for me to probably switch to boys. And mm-hmm. Got lucky again, and Caney Valley called, and uh, just so happened that the guy that just got hired as the principal there actually was the head boys coach at my first job in Ulysses, mm-hmm. and it was his first head coaching job, and he had moved on to be a principal. Mm-hmm. But, okay. um, <clears throat> yeah, um, went to Caney Valley, and really, it's it went really well. Um, you know, it wasn't really a basketball culture. They got a great football program there. Um, football coach is a really good guy. Chris Davis is probably a Hall of Famer. Um, he, uh, I came in and was impressed with him and Jimmy. And we took the leap and I went over to boys and um, it was a really good year. I mean, I felt like we really changed the culture. We were able to make state for the first time. And, um, I got a call from an old high school buddy um, Jeremy Smith from Ogallala <clears throat> he had an opportunity in Ogallala and just you know my wife is from Alliance so we always had to go back up north for different occasions and we always went through Ogallala and we always kind of said you know if there's one place we would go back to Nebraska for we would go to Ogallala uh, just it's a really cool medium sized town right by a really nice lake and not too far from Denver and mm-hmm. uh, we just always really liked it and when Jeremy called we just made the decision to, even though it was one and done, and um, we felt like we were really onto something there in Caney Valley. Uh, timing is everything, and we felt like it was just something we had to take advantage of, and we did. Mm-hmm. So now we're an Ogallala coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Have you know you've you've taken a little bit of the the road less traveled, as you said, and. Uh, you've made a lot of you've made a lot of moves in a short amount of time. All 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 things considered, uh, you know what have been the kind of the pros and the cons to making that many uh, changes uh, between jobs. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll start with the pros. What's what's been kind of the positives of of not being at one place for an extended amount of time, you know, you know, about four or five years, it sounds like was the longest you've been at any one place. So what's been kind of the pros to that? Well, the pros is just the challenges of it, the challenges that it brings. I mean, it's, I think it's fun uh, to go into a place and try and jumpstart it. And Mm -hmm. you just jumpstart it with, you know, brass things, you know, uh, completely trying to change the way that you practice, uh, the way you approach it, you know, how we think about it, everything. Um, and, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes mm-hmm. it takes more time, you know, whatever the case might be. But um, it is. It's, it's a real difficult challenge to come into a new place um, and to try and change uh, the way things have always been done. Mm-hmm. And 
I like doing that. It's fun to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm just a little nomadic by nature. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad was kind of the same way. You know, we went to a lot of different places and mm-hmm. met a lot of different people and saw a lot of different challenges. And um, so it's just kind of what I've grown up with. I don't know if that's what's influenced me, but to me, it's just, it is about timing and something that, you know, I'll be completely upfront about. Like, um, you know, I, I do, I, and everyone does. Um, you know, I, I enjoy coaching talent. I think I got spoiled at that year at South Gray. Like it was just so much fun to be able to, to be around kids that like they're, they're passionate about it. And yeah. That's what they want to do. And, um, it matters to them and, and not that it's not that way <clears throat> with other kids. It's just, it's hard to explain. You probably know every coach knows when you just kind of have a group that mm-hmm. seems to be all in. So when you hear of that and those opportunities come up and those people are interested in you, you know, it's, it's very intriguing and yeah. you want to be able to go in there and, and help them, um, you know, help that talent understand just how hard it is to, to be successful in basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would have been uh, some of the cons? Well, honestly, um, probably the hardest thing has just been um, is the difficult challenge that it brings, mm-hmm. you know, like, because there's goods and bads about it, you know. Um, but when you come into a new town, you are, you know, you're meeting all new people and, and you're trying to, to get people to buy into something new and to change that. And, um, you know, there are ups and downs and all arounds with it. Mm-hmm. So while it's probably the best part of it, it can also be the hardest part of it at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, um, I think at times probably, quite frankly, like, you know, with your your family, it can be tough on them. Um, and that's the most important thing. You know, it's always, you know, been a family decision to where we sat down and talked about it. You know, it's not something that I want to um, burden them with. So mm-hmm. they need to be all in. Um so yeah, there's there's plenty of challenges that come with with moving, um, but there's also plenty of things that you know that are positive that come with it as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's a fair trade off. Yeah. Um, what what advice for uh, do you have for because uh, you you've done this a few times? What advice do you have for uh, a coach here? And, and and we're not into the hiring cycle yet. We're you know, probably a good two months away from that really kicking in. Uh, but for any coach that's moving into uh, a new community or a new job, what are what are two or three uh, of the biggest pieces of advice that you can give somebody who is who's coming into a totally new situation? Well, I think most importantly is just to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't be anything other than that. Um, you know, and you want to be a leader and by a leader, whether it's a leader out front or a leader in the back, which is probably a little bit more of my style, but, um, you know, people notice when you're working hard, you're making a difference and, you know, they, you're there for a reason. And, um, I just think hard work goes a long ways and being genuine and being upfront, um, with, you know, who you are and what you stand for and what you expect. And, um, you know, just, it's really, and then, you know, it's, more difficult with certain people or whatever, but I just, I think the most important thing is just to stay true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're someone that is passionate about the game and, you know, probably most importantly, just passionate about kids. I mean, that's, that's what we're doing here is we're just trying to help people's kids understand not only how to play a game better, but how to work with other people better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are really important things that you need in life. And, 
Um, I think if you're all in with kids and doing what's best for them and doing everything you can, like parents will buy in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, when you when you made your latest move, uh, and you addressed it a little bit, we talked a little bit off air about it. Uh, you you moved in. Uh, you had a stepson that was a talent, a pretty talented player. You brought your nephew. Uh, with you for a variety of different reasons and um, you know you're coming into a situation with a group that was pretty solid uh, but you're 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 the two kids that were related to you were or or living at your house were were better than some of those kids and 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 were taking away some time and and, uh, you know describe that process how did you integrate those kids without upsetting the apple cart too much and, and keeping the, the whole ship of Ogallala boys basketball moving forward to where you've had a lot of success here these last few years with multiple trips to the state tournament. Yeah, I mean, and some of it, you know, you can say all the right things, but at the end of the day, it just comes back to the guys having the to want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really easy to say, and it's just hard to do for even adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we came in, um, you know, I think uh, probably what helped the most was the two hardest working guys in the gym were those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the person, the, you know, the people that I'm hardest on are also those two guys. Mm-hmm. And then those guys on top of everything, you know, it's the attitude and the way they're treating their teammates, you know, the culture they're trying to bring and, you know, talking and bringing, the, bringing enthusiasm, picking guys up, you know, when they make mistakes, you know, being leaders in the gym that you want. And these guys that you're, you know, around and trying to get to buy in are like, you know, these are guys we want to be around. These are hardworking, you know, good guys that, you know, aren't jerks and selfish, um, but they care about working hard, that's getting better, you know, setting the right example, that, that's huge. Um, and quite frankly, that helped jumpstart, you know, what we wanted to do in Ogallala. It's, you know, it's really hard for a coach to just use his words and, you know, demand more, but the kids think they're working hard. You know, sometimes kids just need to see it. Mm-hmm. And if they can see enthusiasm and passion for coming into the gym and um, being a good teammate and working really hard, um, then those guys are like, oh, okay, well, that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And you know, those two are more responsible for changing anything in Ogallala than, than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps so much when you have people that can just show them and they can see with their own eyes because obviously I'm not in any condition to be going out there trying to do it myself and show them. Uh, <laughs> you still got game, Andy. You still got game, don't you? <laughs> Not much, yeah. not much anymore. Yeah, I I got Nerf hoop game. That's about all the game I got left in me. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin dot com. A great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Um, you know, you've uh, obviously, like you said, you've... You, you, You've coached talent, and 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 that's been a, a big part 
for the for your success, you know, and that's that's with any coach. Uh, you, you have to have great players, uh, but there's there's coaching involved with it. And uh, you've been a head coach for 15 years now. Uh, you've been to nine state tournaments. So, you know, I don't know a whole lot about math because I teach history, but that's 60 percent of the time at the end of the year, you're ended up in the final eight teams of the state. And, and so what do you feel like uh, are some things that you do with your teams, especially now that we're getting into late January? What are some things that you do with your teams that you feel like uh, it gets them set up to have the most success that they possibly can towards the end of the season here and, and have them peaking in, in February and into early March? Well, it's all really simple, basic stuff. I mean, obviously one, you know, repetition is crucial right now. So we're trying to get as much repetition and things that we value, you know, like shooting and passing and playing defensive skills, um, you know, showing things up this time of the year for sure. Uh, it's a long season, especially because they're you know, just important and guys are getting dinged up at this part of the time, you know, this part of, of the year. So we got to be careful of that too. Um, you know, I think the mental aspect is really important. Uh, you know, we try and, you know, be pretty persistent and consistent on, you know, how we deal with the mental side, and we call it the vibe of the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just where we're at, you know, especially with a season like this, because, you know, you get a little bit more attention than, you know, what you normally would, and, you know, people make sometimes a bigger deal out of what it is than their teenage kids, so you can start valuing the wrong things, that we call them true sessions and we started them about 15 years ago, actually, you know, uh, just, you know, you always heard these, you know, you always hear that it's, you know, 99% mental and 1% physical or whatever. And, um, we don't really spend that much time. I don't think it is that. I don't think that's a fair, maybe more 50, 50, but, um, we just, my assistant coach and I got together and thought, you know, what can we do? help and we were struggling at that time with you know, mm. just having confident kids and kids believing in themselves and believing in each other and we just sat down and talked and um, we just decided we were going to start having meetings and mm-hmm. we really didn't have a curriculum or too big of a plan we just wanted to see how it would go and you know over the years we've just found that um, you know we do it about once a week and sometimes it depends on the team but you know, that's kind of our thought process is we want to do one day a week and uh, you know a lot of those days we won't even go on the floor the, the practice is completely mental that day and it'll be you know somewhere you know, in a classroom or something where we're basically just having a conversation that's what it's turned into you know originally and usually at the beginning of the year a little bit they need some topics for these guys mm-hmm. um, some things you know just that we're going to talk kind of like you're doing for me now lead me along um <laughs> But, you know, it's been amazing. We, it's just, a, you know, really with girls, and we started with girls, you know, and usually girls are a little bit more open and willing to, you know, kind of talk. Um, uh, guys can be a little bit more stubborn, but mm-hmm. it's crazy uh, just what we've learned about kids, even kids that you've known for a while, and even kids, you know, in these small towns that have known each other forever. Um, you know, just being willing to open up and share something about yourself and, yeah. and make yourself vulnerable, which is hard. And yeah. we have one team rule. Well, actually, we have two. Uh, you know, the first one is is that 
everything that happens on our program, I do not have a rule book. Um, it's just everything that happens we'll deal with on a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only, really, the one thing that we have in black and white totally would be it's, our, it's about our true sessions, and it's completely confidential, and if any of that information is you know leaked and it gets back to the coaching staff, they, you're automatically dismissed from the team, no matter who you are or what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And we really place a high value on our true sessions. We want guys to feel, you know, comfortable that we can, you know, we can talk as, you know, young adults for them and um, be up front with, with each other and tell each other the truth and, and be a part of uncomfortable conversations because it's, it's just so necessary to be able to do those in life and, and in general. And, um, I think that helps us. I really do. I mean, some people would call me crazy. I mean, I've had assistant coaches. You know, I've moved around plenty. I've had plenty of assistant coaches. I've had guys tell me, you know, like, one of these times we think you're going to bring incense in here and have it, like, <laughs> homing or something. So, you know, some people, it's not for everyone. It's, sure. it's more of, you know, just my style. And, you know, I'm just always really curious to know, like, what the vibe of the group is. And I don't want to lose a pulse on that. I want to make sure that... You know, we're all in a healthy mindset and we all are still focused on what's important and what's not and what we can control, what we can't control. And it's just easy to divert from that. So mm-hmm. we place a high value on that. I don't know if that makes us unique or different, um, but it's something that we definitely do. And um, I don't know if it's made a difference or not, but I guess in my own mind, I'd like to think it did. If anything, mm-hmm. we all got to know each other and had a pretty good conversation. Well, I, I think it's... Uh... It's a deal where if you're in if you're in that foxhole with somebody and you really know them and and truly care about them, you're going to fight harder for that person than if it's somebody that is uh, just a team teammate or just an acquaintance. But it, but it, when you have that bond, when you have that tightness with one another, it's it's just a lot harder to to give up. You know, and, 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 and so I think there's a lot of truth to that, Andy, or or that's my interpretation of it. Is 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 that kind of what you've seen? Yeah, I mean for sure. And and you know, when you get well it's two things. One in practice, if you're a guy that, you know, just has great effort every day and that's really hard to do. Um, and you can, you know, control your attitude. Uh, and come into these truth meetings and then be honest and be upfront and be willing to participate, not afraid uh, but to actually speak up and speak out uh, you know when when you see guys you know making that sacrifice it doesn't matter if you're I mean we have plenty of guys that you know aren't great basketball players but we even have you know senior two that you know they're not great basketball players but they're great kids and they work really hard and have a great attitude and a great mm-hmm. effort and they bring something to our team yep. and everyone I think you know, when you value everyone, um, it matters. And, you know, sometimes it works and you get everyone bought in and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think when you do, whether or not you win your last game or not, like, you know, you've accomplished what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, uh, is there a little Phil Jackson influence to that coach? Um, I really do like Phil Jackson. Um, I've, I've definitely stole some of his stuff and, um, you know, I think there's something to it, and uh, you know, I'm not nearly as smart as Phil, obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, but 
I would say, yeah, for sure. There's a little bit of that in there. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of a bunch of coaches in me. Yeah. Uh, you always just, that's all I, I mean, that's all good coaches do is just steal from other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what What else yeah. did you take? Because you, you, you put him down. I want to go down. You, you, you had a list of about four high-profile uh, coaches and, and, and there's a lot of stuff out there on all four of these guys, but, uh, you know, I'm always curious to, to know people's, uh, you know, what they took from this particular person. Cause all four of the people that you've listed, you know, I've lifted stuff from, um, and, and so just, just, just curious to, to compare notes with you coach, uh, as to, to what you've taken. So, uh, other than the truth sessions and kind of the Zen stuff, what, anything else that you took from Phil Jackson or what else did you take from him? just winning you know how much you won you know i was it's it's i don't know um it's amazing how much you won and he coached great talent but what he was able to do is he was able to get great talent to buy into a team concept Mm -hmm. and i just think that's really cool i mean michael jordan's probably the best the best player of all time and he got mike to sacrifice and i just think that's unique Mm -hmm. sure yeah um how about another one on your list here? Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, winning's part of that, too, because it just seemed like, you know, and I'm a huge Cowboys fan, so he won a couple of Super Bowls with us, but um, I liked him back in Miami. And I, I don't know. I liked his uh, just confidence mm-hmm. as a coach, and I think his confidence and his just alpha mindset. Like, he, you know, Miami, he brought in a bunch of, you know, wild dogs. Mm-hmm. But all the dogs knew who the alpha was, and mm-hmm. that was Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when he left, even some of those players on some of those 30 for 30s that they did, you know, talked about the difference between him and Erickson was, and it was Jimmy's team, and everybody knew that. And no one stepped out of, you know, no one stepped out of line with Jimmy. Uh, with Erickson, it was a little bit different. So I just yeah. respected that about Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. He was the alpha. Guy. He was the alpha of the alphas. Um, yeah. You know. And, uh, yeah, well, I, I remember that 30 for 30 because I used to show that uh, when I taught my sports history class. And I think, what what did they say when Dennis Erickson got there? It was like having the substitute teacher or so, yeah. so, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, yeah, but you know what? Dennis Erickson was successful with what he did as well, you know, and they won a couple of yeah. national titles. Just going to well. show you. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, how about Bill Belichick? I'm a, I'm a Belichick guy. I'm, you know, Patriots fan for a long, long time. So, uh, what do you, what do you got on Belichick? What have you taken from him? Well, it's preparation for sure. I mean, I can't even imagine. And obviously I'm not with him, but I just, he just seems like the most meticulous guy I've ever like listened to. He just smartest guy in the room. Um, and he just, I don't know. He gets guys to buy into. I mean, I, I have one uh, quote up in our meeting room, and it's just from him. And all it is, and it's response to somebody asking, a, a media guy asking a question after a game about Brady breaking some record. And, you know, Belichick is just dry as heck. And he looks directly at the guy and says, you know, I feel about that. That's it for losers. Final score is for winners. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I played that clip to my boys in a true session. <laughs> I mean, I absolutely loved it because it's the absolute right mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a stats guy and that matters in any way, shape, or form to you, um, you just have lost perspective of what we're trying to do. 
And that's, I mean, it's hard, especially in the stat-driven world and Twitter and everything else. Like, it's hard to get guys to not worry about that. It just doesn't matter. As long as you win, like, that's it. So, yeah, Belichick, he, that's a pretty good quote. So, yeah, I like Bill. I, uh... I am borrowing that one, by the way. Uh, I am replicating your replication, so uh, and and that'll be brought up tomorrow as well. So uh, love that one, love that one. Last one here, Gino Ariema. Again, winning, um, but you know, I as a well, as I started as a girls' coach, um, you know, and you get all these videos on championship production or whatever. Uh, I just started ordering these stuff. And one, I, he's such a confident person. Mm-hmm. He just, he again is the alpha in that room. And, um, he just has a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, there's so many things that I've taken from him that I'm still doing, um, still to this day. And, you know, we started it 15 years ago just because it's simple, basic, but just really good. Um, yeah, Gino, he's just not a great year this year, but, I mean, he's just one of the great ones, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding, with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full-court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. All right, Coach, at this time, we're going to switch up gears a little bit here. Uh, speaking of winners, we kind of have the ultimate winner here with with John Wooden, and we are going to have our John Wooden quote of the day. Uh, I, I poach one of these every week from Wooden, a lifetime of observations, and so I, I'm going to read this quote, and, and then Andy, just uh, you know, feel free to to comment on it, and 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 we'll we'll chat about this quote a little bit. Sound good? Good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, From Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, page 63. Um, And uh, boy, this, you know, this is, it's so weird. Obviously, I picked these out before we, before we go. And this just fits everything that we just talked about here. So a little bit of Department of Redundancy Department uh, quote here. But the John Wooden quote here of the week from page 63. When you see a successful individual, a champion, a winner, you can be very sure that you are looking at an individual who pays great attention to the perfection of minor details. I, I tell you what, I'm hammering that stuff home. I'm hammering that stuff home with my kids every single day about details and details and detail. We, we don't say little things or big things. They're all things. They're, they're all big things. It's details, and we got to take care of details. But that's the first thing that pops into my head. This is your time, Andy. Uh, wh- what do you think of that quote? Yeah, I just think it's perfect. Um, it's, you know, basketball is, it's really just being good at a bunch of really little things. 
Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because just something as simple as like you talked about details, like being good at a jump stop. And it's so basic and it's so fundamental. But really, if you can't jump stop and pivot, like can you even play? I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it's crazy how, uh, you know, we do this drill uh, early in the year. And all of it is is that old drill where you uh, kids are on the baseline, you dribble the free throw line, you jump stop, you do pivot and you go to the half court other side of the free throw you know we've all done that and it's it's crazy because you, know, you get these guys and they don't want to pay attention to just doing little things right you know a, a good jump stop you know pivot with good ball movement um, you know all those little things you know hard pivot staying low you know, all that stuff matters mm-hmm. um, and they get too cool to want to do that um, and then I watched uh, a uh it was NBA training camp and it was the Lakers and it's when Kobe was playing. Yep. And they did the same drill. They did mm-hmm. that drill in the NBA training camp and watching Kobe do it and just it being perfect and perfecting it and working hard at it and those things matter to him. Yep. So now every year, you know, when we do this little drill and we see kids, you know, not taking it serious and doing it the way we want them to do it, you know, I bring Kobe up and I'd be like, are you as good as Kobe? Because when I watched Kobe do it, like, it was amazing. Like, it was so impressive. Everything was perfect. He went hard at it. He exploded out of it when he went to the next spot. Like, every single detail was good. And that's why he's Kobe. So, if you you know, this little drill matters. And that's what's cool about basketball, though, is when you get kids to buy into just doing little things right. Like, really, it is just, yeah, it's just doing this little stuff right all the time and getting better at it and better and better and better and better. Yeah. Uh, John Wood, he's pretty smart. He was pretty. He was a winner too, wasn't he? Yeah, he did all right. He did all right. He he won. He won a, a game or two along the way here. So, um, did all right for himself. So, um, all right. Well, hey, coach, uh, let, let's jump into your stuff here a little bit. Um, let's uh, let's talk about your half court defensive philosophy. Let's let's start there. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do, how you do it, how you implement it. If you if you want to throw in. Uh, you know, maybe a couple of drills that you do to implement your philosophy. Uh, you know, just just wherever you'd like to go with it. I'm I'm gonna let you kind of roll here. Uh, if if I've got a question, I'll try to politely interrupt you and 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 ask. Uh, but uh, tell us a little bit about your your half court defensive philosophy and what you guys do out there at Ogallala. Well. Um... We run, I'm not too for sure what you would call it. I don't know if it's a true matchup because I've never really looked at all the rules of the matchup. Um, zone, man, uh, we call it 20. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, first and foremost, we want to pressure the ball. Uh, we always want to try and put pressure and make the whoever is handling the ball just a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we want to constantly sitting and pointing and talking like we just we tell them all the time like pointing and pointing to the ball and who you're responsible for and then saying it out loud like that cures everything as long as you continue to do that throughout the possession like you'll have a shot Mm -hmm. Uh, but basically it's just you know how we train them to run it but i think it's really hard to explain what we do Um, i think it's easier to show it Um, i will say what we do to try and teach them what we want is you know we do a lot of three on four and we do a lot of um you know we may go three on five we may go four on five but we try and 
always be down a guy and understand that you can never get married to a guy. Okay. Um, but well, you know, the main goal is that we're trying to keep them from scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely don't want paint touches. So we teach them to scramble. That's probably the best way. Scramble chaos. Um, and we're just always trying to make sure that we're matched up with the ball and that all four other guys are matched up. Now we like to switch and sometimes we don't switch and sometimes we'll go with cutters and sometimes we won't. It just depends. And sometimes it depends on who we're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what I do like about it is that what I have found over the years is that <clears throat> it's just really easy to make adjustments on what you want to do depending on, you know, how you match up to the team you're getting ready to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there'll be times even like when you play someone as good as, you know, Ashton Greenwood, um, you really don't want to come outside the three-point line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, they got five guys who can play at all three levels. Um, so you really have to morph it into, you know, even something different. So, you know, it's probably not great. And everyone's probably like, what? And that's mm-hmm. typically what I get. And, you know, when we move into a new place, we try and teach kids this. Uh, you know, it's it's a process for sure mm-hmm. um, to get them to understand because it breaks so many. I mean, it's a contradictor because it just, in some ways, it follows all the regular man principles. I mean, we're teaching all pressure, sitting in gaps, talking and pointing, you know, help side, how far away, I mean, away we do all of that. But then we'll just break rules when it comes to how we deal with screens, how we deal with cutters, mm-hmm. you know, just motion in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that is always a process. And the way we try and get them going is, you know, we just kind of have to start breaking some habits and some rules that they have learned and we do it by putting them a guy down all the time mm-hmm. and you know turning it into a competition it's always better um, I've found that nothing new but just in some way shape or form there being something on the line for you know for every stop we get a point mm-hmm. you know first team to you get a stop you get a stay you score you get to play defense um, and we do it a lot and you know we still do it and our guys now you know we're fortunate because you know these guys the seniors as eighth graders we were able to kind of start putting some of these seeds and you know planting some of these seeds so that they could have an idea um, so they've been with it a while now so they've gotten pretty good at just kind of understanding that we're just going to play defense and we're going to talk to each other and tell each other what we're doing and I'll be on the same page mm-hmm. it's tough the talking is crucial if you have a group that won't talk um you know, it'll never work. Yeah. Uh, I've had plenty of people tell me that you'll never win anything with that defense. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything that matters. Yeah. But it's worked out pretty well for us. Um, I do think it confuses people a little bit, and sometimes we get confused. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but it works for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes back to that point we talked about earlier. You know, when you go into a new job, um, you got to do what you think, you know, what you believe in. And you, yeah. can't, you can't allow naysayers, you know, I... I've been told about my half-court offense that it would never work either. Mm-hmm. It was too simple. And you know, I, I am really simple. While the defense sounds a little complicated, if you could get to some of our practices and just see um, you know, kind of what we do and how we teach it, it's really pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you, I have a fourth-grade son. Of course, these guys know nothing, you know, no one's taught them anything, so they have a clean palate. Yeah. You know, it's just a blank slate, so they don't know any of these rules that, um, you know, other teams might teach you. Um, so it's been really fun with them because that's just all they know. Mm-hmm. So 
when you go to some of these tournaments, you know these fourth grade tournaments are nuts. They're crazy, but um, so no one really knows how to play. But it's fun to watch them and get to see because they're just picking it up so much faster than you know, say a new team. When I come in as high school, and they already have rules. But yep, yep. Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, and, you know, and we work a ton on just situational basketball, like having our assistant coach be up at half court, just draw different stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our defense basically having to come out blind and just trying to figure out, you know, when we see this sort of action, how are we going to guard it? And mm-hmm. what are you going to do? And how are we going to, you know, we do a lot of bumping off. It just, so you just work on it. Mm-hmm. And it's not any different than any other defense, really, uh, other than, you know, it does break some of the rules, but as yeah. far as just being good at it, it just takes repetition. As you're, as you, and you've implemented this a few times, going back to what we talked about earlier, where you've been to quite a few places, and and I'm assuming you've taken this with you, or or at least pieces of this with you, uh, to most of the places that you've been to. Um, what's your what's your words of advice for for folks? You know, how long does it usually take for you to really feel like the kids get comfortable with this? Um, as you as you stopped along the way? Well, and it's dependent on the group, but, yep. you know, it can, it can take a while. Mm-hmm. And there will be times when, I mean, you know, there's no doubt, but I think as coaches we question ourselves and when things aren't, you know, always going the way you want them to go and don't look the way you want them to look, you start wondering if you're doing the right stuff. But just sticking with it and understanding that it's always a process. Mm-hmm. As cliche as that is, it's just, it just takes what it takes and you just can't speed that up. And, um, I think it's just like anything. If you're a man guy or a one, three, one guy or whatever the case might be, like you have to have that base defense that <clears throat> when we need to stop or, you know, whatever you do, people like to mix their defenses up. You mm-hmm. got to have that base defense that you're always going to fall back on to get mm-hmm. that stop. Yeah. Uh, if you can, you know, no matter what, you just got to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it could take. I'm in Caney. I remember, like, I was really wondering if I was doing the wrong thing because it wasn't necessarily a really good athlete, a really hard working kid, um, easy to coach. Just hadn't necessarily played a ton of basketball. Yeah. Um, so it took them a little bit, but I tell you what, they figured it out and they made a run to state. Mm-hmm. It, it was because of what they did. They just figured it out. They bought it completely in. Uh, there were some really frustrating, painful times, mm-hmm. um, and, but that's good. That, I mean, I think there's some good to come out of that. Like it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a struggle. I mean, yeah. we both know that I don't think people always value winning as much as they should. Like it's really, really hard to do. And, um, yeah. yeah, so I would just stick with it. And it could take, I mean, it took us, I don't know, a good month into the season before I felt like we even had a clue. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. You have to... Uh, you have to have some self belief. You have to have some confidence, even when it looks like crap. And you have to have some stubbornness. I mean, you do. You do when you when you are trying to to change things or implement something that's different. Um, it's it, it, it takes some guts. It takes some courage. And uh, you know, one of the things that I know that we have talked about uh, is is just having that. You know, I, I've literally had to tell teams before. Look. I know this is best for us. You have to keep working at it. It will pay off. And normally it does. 
Normally it does. If, if we keep doing it this way, if you, if you really buy in and believe in what we're doing, this is, this is going to be really, really good for us. And, and so you do have to have some of that stubbornness, don't you think, Andy? Absolutely. I mean, just, you have to be bought in yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. Just believing in what you're doing and understanding that it's just, it's not going to be easy and it's going to take some time. And sometimes it's going to feel like you're getting your eyelashes pulled out. But, <laughs> um, you know, the kids are pretty resilient and if you stick with it, you know, and you're, you're convinced it'll work and, you know, you bring that confidence to the team, um, it'll pay off. It just mm-hmm. takes time. Yep. Uh, how about your full court pressure defense? What do you guys do? It's really just an extended 20, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we have mixed it up. You know, sometimes it looks like a 2-2-1. Two, two, um, sometimes it looks kind of like a run and jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it just depends on, you know, what they're trying to do as far as how they're trying to break it. We see some really creative stuff. That will be the one thing I'll say is, you know, there's, there's a lot of really good coaches out there that have shown us some stuff, just gotten creative um, uh-huh. on, on what they're going to do against us just because we're not necessarily, you know, traditional as far as how we do play defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's been pretty, I don't know, it's a challenge. It's been a challenge because the guys just basically, that's, that's probably another thing. Um, so when you get that talking and pointing and guys really communicating, that, that's probably the two most crucial things and anything that you're going to do is just by talking and communicating, you know, being on the same page and doing it all the time. You know, every time that ball's passed, their job is changing and they need to be telling each other. That's hard for kids. It's hard to get them to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always tell them, like, <clears throat> we can press, you know, we, we want to press, but if we can't, I mean, the whole, everything that we do um, is based on how quickly we can match up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, you get guys that get really good at just talking and matching up really quickly. Uh, you know, you can press even on misses at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, depending on the team and, you know, whatever. But uh, I would say the two most important things uh, in defense in general, first and foremost, would just be that communication, mm-hmm. that talking, communicating right away, matching up. But, you know, we do some unique things full core-wise, too. You know, like I said, we'll do some run-and-jump stuff. We tried to implement some of that, you know, just kind of the 2 two, one at times and um, doing some of that and just kind of making it um, a hybrid defense where we're morphed it into one, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, yeah. just using rules from different defenses and making it into one. And uh, the guys uh, gotten pretty good at it. You know, but that's, they're also, most of these guys are seniors and, you know, it's taken a lot of time because yeah. when we first moved in, uh, we had some pretty good players, you know, Ogallala, it's not like we moved into a place that didn't have good guys. I mean, there were some really good guys here uh, that really sacrificed a ton, but struggled. I mean, they've been taught one way for, you know, however long they've been playing hoops and you know, now you got this crazy guy coming in, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, trying to tell you, no, don't do that. Uh-huh. Just don't worry, you know. But yeah, it also takes just a little bit of time, and it just takes effort too. And you know, depending on our group here and our pressure, you know, it always depends on. Uh, just you have to have some guys that can really run. Yeah. You know, like this year, we're not so much of a pressing team just because not that we're slow, but uh-huh. you know, it takes some length and some speed. And uh-huh. uh, so 
So it just that depends as well how far we extend our pressure. I think if you want to teach full court pressure, you just need to run it a lot in practice. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It's something that you guys, you just have to, it, it just takes so much practice. And, you know, the rotating out of traps, probably my favorite drill to do um, for trapping is it's called lines in a cage. Mm-hmm. Shock a smart drill. And it's just great to teach kids, uh, one, how to trap and not to foul the trap, and two, how to get out of that trap um, and, you know, get back in the game because it's so often it's your trappers that give up a layup. But, um, and then just teaching guys how to deflect. I yeah. mean, teaching that anticipation of you, know, you got to be willing to gamble. I mean, you're going to give up some layups with your full-court pressure. It's yep. just you have to be willing to accept that as a, as a coach and know that going in um, has to be a trade-off. And you've got to be a team that can really deflect the ball. Mm-hmm. It's just so important that you can deflect the ball. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, so probably didn't give you too much more information on our press there either. But, again, it's just kind of a hybrid thing that we run. I mean, mostly we're just trying to, you know, get people into some uncomfortable situations, hoping that they'll make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. You uh, you talked about your truth sessions, which uh, I, I think is a fascinating thing. Any other unique things that you have within your program there, Coach? Oh, not that I can think of. You know, really, um, we're just pretty basic. Mm-hmm. You know, we I really am a big believer in uh, fundamentals. I mean, two-hour practice, and we're going to spend, you know, 70% of our time just doing fundamentals. And I'm a drill junkie. Um, you know, we do a ton of drills every day. I just think it's really important. You know, the guys always get frustrated because, you know, those first couple weeks, three weeks, whatever, practice, um, you know, we just don't really even play. We just, you know, we kind of run it like a camp. Mm-hmm. And we're just doing fundamental stuff, trying to get their repetition. You know, probably like any coach, just a big believer in, you know, we have to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot, or else it just doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, so we do spend a lot of time on drill, even, you know, all the way through the end. Obviously, practices get shorter, but yeah, let's say 70% of our practice time is just basic drills. Mm-hmm. What's... Uh... What's what's some of your you know what's what's two or three of your favorite drills that you think is uh, good stuff that you know can can help develop the complete player? What are what are two or three of your top ones there? Oof, that's tough. Uh-huh. Um, that, that's why I ask the tough questions. You know, that's right. <laughs> um, develop the complete player. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got like to do? So how about this? How about I rephrase that? What's one really good shooting drill that you like? What's re- one really good passing drill you like? And what's one really good ball handling drill that you that you guys do that you like? So let's start with the shooting drill. The shooting drill would be three, two, one, uh-huh. and 
honestly, it's uh, it's a drill I stole from Gino, and it's not it's completely I mean not completely different. It's um, I just changed it. It's not a rebounding drill anymore. It's strictly shooting, uh, and you'd have to see it. It's complete chaos. Uh, something that we do to try and do in our practices. We want it to be chaos, and mm-hmm. we don't want it just to be in the drills, but when we transition in drills, we want everything to be at a certain pace and people getting to where they need to be. And it's, it's chaos. You know, we're trying to get comfortable playing in chaos because we're trying to create it so that other, you know, most teams are so unorthodox. They're not used to what we do, but three, two, one, the chaotic shooting drill starts out as a layup drill. Um, every guy gets a layup towards two points. Um, and then it turns into, and it's two passes and a shot. Uh, just the three man weave from half court, three balls, nine guys. Uh, anyways, every guy gets a layup to start, uh, two points, and then you go to the three point shooting. And three point can shot, shot can be whatever you want. Um, you hit it into a three. If you catch a if you catch a missed shot in the air, that you guys the through the pack um, and put it back in, it's worth one. Uh, multiple groups will be going right at once after they get going because they know it's a speed throw. Uh, so it's complete chaos. And for you to lock in, you'd be like, what the heck are they doing? But it really forces you to communicate. Uh, we turn the music up and, and mm-hmm. you have to tell people who you're passing to. And so it's a communication drill, it's a passing drill, it's a shooting drill, it's a rebounding drill. Uh, we do it for five minutes, you know, probably at least every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys love it because I'm always giving them um, a hard time because uh, I had a group of girls in Houston get like 220 and five, and that's just phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, these other lot of boys this year, they've only gotten, I think it's like 214. So I always tell them I got a bunch of Southwestern Kansas girls. <laughs> and shoot that but it's a great drill for a lot of different reasons. You get a lot of shots up, a lot of communication, mm-hmm. a lot of passing, a lot of rebounding. So um, passing drill. Oh. Man, probably UConn passing just because I've had it along, uh, had it around the longest. It's another one of Gino's drills. Okay. And it's all it is, it's just a three man full court passing drill. Um, you got three lines, middle guy is going to pass to both lines as they run down the floor. Then they touch the baseline. Two outside guys are going to sprint. The winner gets a layup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just super basic and fundamental. It's a great conditioner with, you know, the right amount of numbers. Um, passing on the run, catching on the run, you know, then you got to make a long pass and finish a layup. And we do it for five, and then, you know, we set a goal. Um, but it's nothing fancy with that. I'm going to probably just give you that one because I've had it for just so yeah. long. And we just do it every year. You know, we especially do it early in the year just because it is such a great conditioner. Yep. Um, but, yeah, what was the other one? Sorry. Ball handling. What's, what's your best ball handling drill? You know, I, I probably, my favorite one to do, the guys get tired of it, um, so we don't do it you know, much late in the season, but it's just circle ball handling, and we got the leader in the middle, um, and then we've got a big circle around him, and we'll do one ball, two ball, and um, we'll do no dribble. We, I call him Pistol Pete. I'm a big Pistol Pete guy. I love mm-hmm. all those no dribble things that he did with the ball just to make your hands better. So we always start with Pistol Pete. And then we go into one ball dribble, and then we'll do two ball dribble. And we do each one for, depending on the time of the year, we'll do it. Um, 
know, for a minute, two minutes, and I want them in a stance the whole time. So we're trying to train their legs to got to stay in a stance and do whatever the leader does. Um, so yeah, I like that one. That's my favorite one because I just think you get so much dribbling in. Um, and there's a ton of ones that you know that you got to move and do stuff like that. But just as far as your basic stuff, the stuff you do with you know, third graders all the way up through you know Cody Bryant. Yeah, so, yeah. That's probably it's probably those three. Gotcha. Like I said, nothing fancy, all basic stuff. Yeah. Well, the devil is in the details, correct? That's right. Yeah. Andy Gillen, head boys basketball coach at Ogallala High School. Uh, coach, did, did, did I lead you along well enough tonight? Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. I, you know, I was a little nervous. I didn't know for sure, but, um, I appreciate you having me on. It was a good time. Good. Awesome. Uh, any, uh, any social media or anything, uh, the, the, if folks want to know more about your program or your kids on your team or anything like that, do you, do you have anything set up there out there at Ogallala that folks could could uh, follow on social media or anything like that? Yeah, we're, we have a Ogallala Boys Basketball uh, Twitter page, and if anyone ever wanted any information on anything, you know, as far as our guys, any coaches or whatever, uh, uh, you know, any, any coaches out there that wanted just some drill ideas or whatever, I mean, I am a drill junkie. We have a, a million things, and it's all super basic, but things get you know you get in a rut it's hard to make a practice schedule uh-huh. um, you're trying to get some variety in your life for yourself and your kids so it can be tough but so yeah i'd be happy to help anyway but just total all the boys basketball awesome on twitter awesome great stuff great stuff well coach i really appreciate your time glad you enjoyed it uh here on a pen and a napkin um if you could hold the line here for a minute just got to wrap up a couple things and we'll and we'll call it a day so uh again andy gillen head Boys basketball coach, Ogallala High School, uh, having a great year this year. Been down to the state tournament uh, uh, multiple times in the last few years. So uh, just got a really good thing rolling down out there in, in western Nebraska. So uh, follow us on Twitter here at a pen and a napkin. Uh, at a pen and a napkin. Check us out. Again, if you're in the Omaha area, you need a little adjustment, give Dr. Kevin, Dr. Ke- uh, Heidi a call, uh, 402-964-0300. They'll take care of you. Uh Again, subscribe, love the uh, subscription numbers. They just keep going up and up and up. And again, that just helps with folks who are looking to to help themselves as basketball coaches. It puts a pen and a napkin higher up in those rankings. So that's greatly appreciated, folks. Uh, Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Check out a penandanapkin.com. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff on there. Literally got thousands of pages of coaches notes on there for you to take advantage of all from me, uh, and, and, and other people, uh, stuff that I've borrowed from others. So it, it's all on there. So coaches, uh, just hope you enjoyed this one here this week. Great conversation with coach Gillen coaches as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day.